Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Today, we're closing out the Mark series. We've been in this series for a while now, uh, and we've made it, Mark 16. Uh, And this is the really, really fun, good part because it's the resurrection. Uh, We're at the resurrection. Yes, you can preach about the resurrection, not on Easter. It can happen. It's going to happen today, okay? So uh, let me pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in here. Jesus, we love you, and Lord, we are excited to worship you as the risen Christ this morning, and we celebrate the resurrection. Lord, we say you're worthy. We love you, Jesus, and we trust you. We believe you, and we want to follow you. Lord, help this book of Mark series, God, to get down deep inside of us, Jesus. We want to be faithful disciples to walk in the way of Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. So in this series, we've been talking about the way of Jesus. We've been looking about, uh, looking at how Jesus is the Son of God that preaches the kingdom of God and that we walk in that way. So it's not just something we intellectually believe in. It's not just this kind of condensed gospel about believe Jesus and go to heaven when you die, but it's walking in the way of Jesus together in the church for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. So let's wrap that up today with the resurrection. Here's what I'm talking about today. The main thing is simply this. The resurrection is the vindication of the way of Jesus. Okay? The resurrection is the vindication of the way of Jesus. To be vindicated means that you've been made right or you've been proven to be right and true if maybe someone thought that you were wrong or guilty. Uh, And the resurrection, that's our vindication. We are vindicated by the resurrection of Jesus. So, We're going to read Mark 16 real quick, but I want to give a quick note. Uh, So Mark 16, if you read it in your Bible, there's probably some weird little brackets and stuff uh, in there. And so I just want to say real quick that Mark 16 actually has like a couple of distinct little endings. Um, So verse 1 through 8, that is what the oldest ending is. That's, That's like Mark 16, and that's the oldest manuscripts have that. And then they have 9 through 20, and a lot of the little bit older manuscripts have that. Now, Now we can say we can trust Mark 16 because we actually know that church leaders from like less than 100 years later actually knew those verses. So I'm not saying this is like way, way later, Um, but it's kind of this interesting deal. And the thing about Mark 8 is that we've said this several times through the series, but Mark kind of writes a little bit differently than other than other writers. He's a little bit mysterious. He kind of he kind of wants you to put the things together. He wants to wants you to connect the dots. And Mark 1 through 8 is a cliffhanger. Actually, a very strange cliffhanger. Uh, and we'll read it in just a second. But basically, what, what happens is that they see that Jesus is resurrected, and then they run away scared and don't tell anybody. In the book. And it's like, hey, Mark, did you forget your last edit? Did you submit that to the editor? Because it seems a little strange to end it that way, Right. But there's something about it. And so the rest of it, 9 through 20, that's kind of like an epilogue. It kind of, it kind of uh, you know, unpacks the story a little bit more. But I like this actually, this ending at verse 8, because it's so Mark. Because he, he's wanting us to, the whole book of Mark is kind of saying, Jesus is so wonderful that maybe every time you finish a verse in a chapter, that you just want more of Jesus. 
You're like, can I just get a little bit more? I just, there's something special about this Jesus. He's like somehow identified with the God of the universe and I just want more. And what better ending than a cliffhanger, right? Where you're saying, wait, 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 hold on. Is that the end of the story? What happened next? Did they tell anybody? Was Jesus really resurrected? What did Jesus say? I want to know more. And I think that's a very marked way. And here's the really cool thing is that when you read that and you start asking those questions, of course the answer is yes. Yes, Jesus did resurrect. Yes, they did tell everybody. Yes, it continued on. And the proof is in you and I reading it today. Right? Mark has somehow mysteriously put you and me in the story. That we're continuing this story. We're continuing in the church today. And we're saying it was true. Jesus really was faithful to his church. And so as we read Mark 16, don't read it as some old document or something really far off. You and me are in this story. And we're part of this inheritance and this this epilogue, this ending to this great story. So I wanted to make that quick note. Okay, let's read Mark 16, 1 through 20. When When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away this stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. I would be alarmed as well. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has been raised. He's not here. Look, this is the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and they fled from the tomb. For terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. That's the end of verse 8. Now let's read the epilogue. Now after he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went out and told those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. But when they heard he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. Maybe we understand why they're a little bit afraid to share the news. Next, verse 12. After this, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Okay, what's going on here, disciples? Verse 14. Later, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were sitting at the table. And he upbraided them for their lack of faith and stubbornness because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. By using my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and proclaimed the good news everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by the signs that accompanied it. Amen. That is the word of God. That's the book of Mark. 
this glorious ending of resurrection. And it's really, really good news. So let's talk about the resurrection and let's talk about it as a vindication of certain things, okay? The first one is this. The resurrection vindicates Jesus. Let's just put it as simply as that. Jesus is vindicated in the resurrection. He really was the Messiah. Did you know that there actually, during the time of Jesus, uh, a few hundred years before and a few hundred years after, there were many supposed messiahs. There were a lot of people saying, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm the Messiah. And just about all of them were killed by Rome, right? As threats to the kingdom. But what was different about Jesus? The resurrection. <laughs> He came back. <laughs> so everyone else had died in it in there, right? The followers just kind of went on their way, maybe tried to find the next Messiah. But Jesus came back. Jesus resurrected. Jesus proved that this really was the great turning point of history. And as I was preparing for this message, I was praying and felt like God just said, just make a big deal about the resurrection. I was like, okay, I can do that. This is a big deal. This is a really big deal. I don't know about you, but I don't know many people who have resurrected, okay? Jesus came back to life. There was breath that came back in his body. You know, the early church very much resisted any idea that this was just a spiritual resurrection. They said, no, he resurrected full body. He came back. He was alive and he showed up to hundreds of people, says Paul. This is incredible news, and Jesus is vindicated. Back in Mark 4 and 6, when he was calming storms and somehow, you know, proving that he was God, he's vindicated by the resurrection. Back in Mark 8, when he told them, I'm going to be killed and I'm going to come back, he's vindicated in the resurrection, right? In Mark 12, when the religious leaders start to come up with this, this way to get Jesus, this way to kill him, and yet he was innocent. He's vindicated in the resurrection. It really was an unjust execution because he came back, because the Spirit of God entered his body and brought him back to life. That is good, good news. You could think of maybe a scene where a prisoner who was unjustly incarcerated is proven to be freed, proven to be innocent later on, right? And you can think of those jubilant scenes where they leave the prison and they're free, right? Well, now let's imagine Jesus, the Son of God, taking on flesh, leaving the right hand of the Father, coming down into our mess, being unjustly executed with the sins of the world on his shoulders. Now imagine this jubilation, right? Now just imagine this vindication to cosmic proportions. This is really, really good news. Jesus is vindicated. Now the second point is that the resurrection vindicates the cross. The resurrection vindicates the way to the cross. Do you know that the cross, you know, Paul says the cross is absolute scandal and foolishness to the world. Right? Like who would choose this? Who would choose this path, this downward path of humility, of humiliation, of suffering, and yet the cross is vindicated like it was the right path. Jesus, the king of the world, going down to the cross, he's vindicated in that choice, excuse me, in that choice. And then us too are called to take up our cross, and we're vindicated in doing that because of the resurrection, because we know that we too will be resurrected. We know that the Holy Spirit has the resurrection power. Therefore, we can go on that journey. 
I think this is a key point for us this morning. I think there's some of us maybe who are on this journey right now. We're on the journey to the cross and it's really, really hard. Jason Cox did a really great job last week of talking about redemptive suffering, how there is actually redemption in the suffering of the cross. You know, this looks like when we take on burdens for other people, when maybe we do something and we're never going to get the credit for it, when our self-sacrificial love actually looks like suffering. That's the way of the cross. That's the suffering. Not, not all suffering is redemptive. Can I say that? Not like when you're like, oh, like I want to be persecuted. I'm going to go, it's like run straight into persecution. Or like, man, I just really want to be a martyr, but I could just ask my brother for help. Or like I'm trying to make something happen. That's not all suffering is redemptive. Sometimes things happen. But the redemption of the suffering of the cross, it's vindicated in the resurrection. When we take on other people's pain, when we go low, when we forgive, when we pursue reconciliation, that's the suffering of the cross and it's vindicated in the resurrection. The ultimate sign of self-sacrificial love. And here's, here's something that's really encouraging to me, especially in light of where we are in the world right now, is that Christianity, the, the gospel of Mark, it doesn't preach an escape from death. The resurrection is not an escape from death. It's actually a way through death. Can you hear the difference there? Because I think the whole world is actually trying to escape death. It's trying to get out of it. It's trying to ignore death. We're trying to live longer, not look like we're aging. We're trying to do everything that we can to, you know, have a lot of fun and be happy so that we don't have to think about the end of our life, right? We're in a global pandemic. We figure out ways to ignore that there's a lot of death happening around here. You know, even, even just using numbers, I think, sometimes I think the fact that I can say four million people have died from COVID without just being devastated, it's like an escape, right? Because I can put a number on it. That's different than reading four, four million names and seeing four million pictures and seeing four million stories of why they mattered to somebody, right? We, we figure out ways to escape. We figure out ways to ignore death. And Christianity just doesn't do that. I kind of wish it did sometimes, I like to escape death. And I think resurrection, yeah, but resurrection comes on the other side of death. It's a, it's a way through death. And it's better news because it's true, because it acknowledges reality. It acknowledges our weakness and the reality of suffering in our world. This is the message of Christianity. Christianity does not try to escape. And we should celebrate life and we should celebrate all the ways that you know, like the, our life expectancy has doubled in the last 150 years. That's really good news. Like, I'm happy about that. Yes. But what we shouldn't celebrate is when we try to escape or ignore. And this is a better, this is better news for us. Jesus went through death for us and he was vindicated. So now we know that when we go through the valley of death, that we will be vindicated as well. That there is hope through death and resurrection. All right, next point here. The resurrection vindicates God's redemptive work. The resurrection means that God's redemption is always happening. It's always going on. It means that God will redeem his creation. That God is going to bring us into fulfillment of his presence. That the new heavens and new earth, it is going to come to pass. 
This is so good. Like God's always redeeming. He's always working through our suffering, through our hard circumstances. And the resurrection is what vindicates that. So what are you facing today? Nothing is impossible. Who are you tempted to give up on? What circumstances are you tempted to give up on? I have people in my life I'm tempted to give up on. If I'm vulnerable here. I've got circumstances that I'm just ready to walk away from. But I just can't. I just can't do it. In my flesh, I sure can. But I can't do it because of the resurrection. Because I just keep coming back to this and saying, nothing really is impossible. If Jesus raised from the dead, nothing is impossible. I just can't give up on that guy that I really don't like. Right? And where are we today in that, in that journey? I think we need, we need to preach the resurrection to ourselves and say, I won't give up. I will not give up. No one is beyond redemption. No one is beyond forgiveness. No one is beyond love. And I can't do it in my own strength, but I can do it in the strength of the Holy Spirit who resurrects. I can do it. God will make all things right. God will make all things right. The resurrection is the ultimate hope. And we should ask ourselves, what does our hope in the resurrection inspire in us? I think it should inspire some decisions, some actions, some participation with God in his redemptive work. It's really, really good. It's a hope that never fades. And I do want to make one little note here about Mark 16 and the way that, that God's redemptive work also looks like giving hope to the marginalized. I want to make a note here in Mark 16 about how he used women as the first apostles of the resurrection. This is unbelievable for the time. This is amazing because it's God saying, I will bring hope to the marginalized. My redemptive work includes the marginalized. You know, in that time, women, their word was so distrusted, it was so devalued that they weren't even allowed to give witness in a court. If a woman witnessed a murder, she wouldn't even be able to give witness to that. Their word meant so little. And yet, in God's perfect plan, which looks like a scandal and foolishness to the world, included women being the, the first-hand account witnesses to the resurrection. That is incredible. That is amazing. And I think that's God's hope being communicated even to us today. Can you imagine living in a world where your word meant nothing? Can you imagine living in a world where you were so distrusted and devalued that if you said it, I don't believe it actually. And maybe some of us here actually are living in that world. Maybe we've experienced that. And we can identify with Mary Magdalene in this story. She said, I saw Jesus, and they didn't believe her, right? And so this is incredible. It's actually one of the reasons I think we can trust the resurrection account. Because nobody would have come up with a story like this. No, nobody would have said, okay, let's base the whole thing that changes the whole world on a few women that no one trusts. It's a horrible plan. It's a horrible plan. And yet, it's the wisdom of God. And that's where it, we should be experiencing some humility. Like, like, maybe my wisdom is a little bit different than God's wisdom. And I think this is encouragement. I, I actually specifically want to speak to all the women and, and say this is an encouraging story because Jesus believes in women no matter what. He believes in women, okay? And so I think this is really encouraging. Oh yeah, the iPad went down. It's official. 
Praise God. A printed paper. Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. This last thing here too is, is imagining that all of us here, all the believers worshiping Jesus around the world, we are part of the spiritual fruit and legacy of those women. Women that were not believed in any other circumstance in their life. But by Jesus, by the church. And we are the living fruit of that. That's incredible. I mean, millions upon millions worshiping Jesus, experiencing resurrection transformation. And man, they're going to reap that fruit in the new heavens and new earth when they watch everybody worshiping Jesus. I mean, oh, it's so good. So good. This resurrection vindicates us. It is such good hope. Okay, I'm going to keep moving on before I cry. I'm already crying. Let's be honest. Last point here. The resurrection vindicates the gospel message. You know, the message, the gospel message is still worth sharing. It's still worth sharing today. This is not like old news. You know, we walk around all day and think everybody kind of knows about Jesus. But can I just say that this is still worth sharing? Everybody might know the name Jesus. Not everybody might know about the resurrection and the transformation behind it. It's still worth sharing because the resurrection vindicates it. It vindicates Mark. (laughs) What would Mark be without the resurrection? It'd be like an interesting story. But with the resurrection, it might be the most important thing that's ever been written. The earliest, the first account of Jesus and his resurrection, this changes the world. It's still worth sharing today. It was worth sharing last week in Galveston. It's worth sharing right here in Fort Worth. It's worth going to the ends of the earth. It's worth sharing for the hundredth time to that person you really think does not care. It's worth it. The resurrection is still transforming people. Okay, let's conclude here. Let's close out the series. I think as we come to the end of this series of Mark, Chapter 16 gives us such a great conclusion um, because it involves you and me. It stretches from, from the resurrection all the way to us and all the way into the future. It's, it's the greatest hope. And it's in Mark 16, verse 15. Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. That just about sums up Mark. That is really good news. Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. Let's take it step by step. So we go. We go. We're not complacent. We go. We take action. This is a story that that Mark wants you to wake up thinking about. This is a story he wants you to get up off the couch. He wants you to jump around a little bit and say, I can't believe what I just read. I can't believe what I just saw. So we go. We're not complacent. We have purpose at every moment in our life. We don't just go. We go into all the world. We are announcing Jesus to all nations, all peoples, because every single human being deserves to know the story. Every human being created in the image of God needs to know how good this message really is. So we don't just go. We go into all the world. You know all the world is actually like here in Fort Worth? Did you know that like, like when we were in Galveston, we were witnessing to West Africa. The whole, all nations, they're here. 
We go into all the world and we proclaim the good news. This message about Jesus, the way of the kingdom, it's actually good news. Sometimes we share it like it's so-so news or kind of bad news for you. I think we need to share it with some hope in our, in our words. The language of hope, the language of the resurrection. This is good news. As uh, N.T. Wright, one of our favorite scholars around here, said, this is good news on the street. It's not just good news like abstract up here, like, oh, I read that in a good book and then I'm going to put it away and never think about it again. This is good news on the street, like right here in this parking lot. It's good news in the parking lot. I'll tell N.T. Wright to update his, uh, his little thing. This is good news in the parking lot right here in our lives. And we go into all the world, proclaim the good news to the whole creation. That just sounds so cool to me. I just want to proclaim the good news to all of creation. All of it. God loves all creation, the whole creation. So we don't just proclaim good news to the people that we like, the people that it's easy to get along with. We don't just proclaim good news to our church family, although we should do that. We proclaim it to our enemies. We proclaim it to those that would just really annoy us. We proclaim to the, the whole creation around us. You know that Paul says that the whole earth is groaning for redemption. We're preaching it to the whole creation. When we saw beautiful sunsets in Galveston, this is good news. Jesus is going to redeem. It's beautiful now, but oh, can we imagine I just think, man, this is a really cosmic, beautiful, huge invitation to us to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. All right, everybody, let's stand up and let's have the ministry team come up. If Aaron wants to come up, we just want to respond a little bit here. And I really don't have a very formulated response because it's the resurrection. I mean, Let's respond to that. Let's respond to that, that Jesus really did resurrect. Let's respond to God bringing resurrection power into your life. Where do you need resurrection power? Where do you need some things to resurrect in your life? Where do you need hope? Maybe like, like me, I've experienced like anxiety about a culture of death. I mean, just the last year and a half. It's just, I need some resurrection in my life. I need some resurrection message in my life. So if you want to respond, then I invite you to come up here to our ministry team. They'd love to pray over you. If you need some resurrection life, if, uh, if maybe you've never really believed the resurrection and you just want to follow Jesus, then come up to the front. We want to pray with you. But whatever you need, whatever circumstance in your life you need resurrection, come on and respond. Jesus loves to meet you right there. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you are the risen Christ. Thank you that you resurrected. We trust you, Lord. We pray that your resurrection power would come manifest right here, right now in the name of Jesus. Come respond.